0: Hi everyone, uh, Dave here. Thanks for coming along to another episode of Legends of the Spire. I'm here in my garden on my old Saltergate seat um, to introduce another episode of the podcast and this week it's with Dave Caldwell. Uh, now the Scottish striker had two spells with Chestfield in one in the 1980s one in the 1990s um, so it was really good to speak to him uh, about those two periods of the club and what it was like joining from a rival uh, as he came to us from Mansfield Town. He then had some really interesting spells in Belgium and South Africa. Uh, So we had a good chat about his career as a whole Um, and then also about his move into business uh, as well and the similarities between being a footballer and being a businessman, uh, which I hope you all find interesting. Uh, One thing I must learn from this podcast is to stop asking players about their nicknames. As with both um, Lee Rogers and his knobby nickname, and Dave Caldwell and his shaggy nickname uh, both came up with answers that are not broadcastable. <laughs> so I suppose that's just a life of a footballer. Um, as always we are at Spy Legends on Twitter and Legends of the Spire on Facebook so do get in touch. Also legendsofthespireoutlook.com if you do want to send an email. Uh, but for now here we are with the latest episode of Legends of the Spire with the pacey, goal scoring, hot-headed hero Dave Caldwell. Interesting, actually, because I've, I've interviewed um, a couple of uh, Scottish players that have played for Chesterfield. I've had uh, Jamie Winter, who was um, uh, born Dundee, and I've had Mark Innes, who's more Glasgow. But you're uh, Aberdeen, is that right? Originally, but I live in
1: Glasgow now. So originally from Aberdeen, um, I moved to Glasgow, been married for about 17 years. I moved to Glasgow about 18, 19 years ago. So I've um, been here probably the longest I've ever been anywhere. Because um, mostly I moved around quite a lot. Because the thing is, you can't hit a moving target, as it says. So um, <laughs> <laughs> just just through work, through football, and then through work,
0: mm. moved around. Yeah. Oh, so what was it? So what was it like growing up? Were you a, were you an Aberdeen fan, or were you supporting someone else?
1: No, I was a Rangers fan. um my, my dad actually played for um, Aberdeen. So the reason I was born in Aberdeen was my dad met my mum. My dad was originally from Clybank, just outside Glasgow, and um, he played for Aberdeen '54, won the league um, at that time, runners up in the Scottish Cup, in league championship medal at the time. So. Um, I was early, I was brought up, I was only three-year-old when we moved to Canada, because he actually played in Canada with um, Stanley Matthews and people that he played against. I know, um, in a charity match, and I think it was. So, my dad in his, his own right was a very, very good player. So, um, I was brought up as a Rangers supporter in Aberdeen, but um, it wasn't as bad as it is now, because being a Rangers fan in Aberdeen now is not good. <laughs> What, I what, thought it was a lot better. <laughs> what what position was he playing in? Yeah. You know? My dad was a fullback. My dad my dad actually played left back, he was right footed. So um he was um and it, it's interesting because I've got his Scottish Cup medal, I've got his Scottish Cup runners up medal and his league championship medal and things like that. Mm-hmm. And I was always I was always brought up as my dad has the same name, Dave Caldwell. So I was always so he's Dave Caldwell's son. Um so it was in, It was interesting. Um, he never, because he did his own team. So basically, he used to run a junior team. Mm-hmm. So he hardly ever seen me play. So and he did a couple of times. Say, oh, you should go. Maybe go play for this team. Slightly better organized, but really never got involved in my career at all in the early stages. It just kind of evolved, and I, and I played just through my own kind of um, practicing all the
0: time. Just played it. All. Mm-hmm. Did it feel quite, did your root and passion into football then feel a little bit separate to your dad's or, or were you that yeah. he was into it?
1: Yeah, my dad um, My dad was never an encourager. My dad was always, um, you could do this better, you could do that better, etc. cetera. Um, so he was more critical, but not in a bad kind of way. But I played football from, I mean, I played football from a very young age and I used to play from, I used to leave school play from four o'clock to half past nine every night <laughs> during the week under the street lights in the park. And that's that's how you, that's how you learn how to play football. And the other thing that probably helped me a lot to make it was that I played against the older guys all the time. So I was 14-year-old I was playing against 30-year-olds. I kicked lumps at me. So I, I kind of got used to um, that type of kind of physicality at an early
0: age. Yeah, because, because a lot of youngsters, I suppose, when they go through that route into football and then get thrown into men's football or first-team football can get beaten up a bit, can't they? <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of them get shocked. I played Highland League or
1: a sign for Mansfield and the Highland League was, it was a really tough league. So... um And I think that was, and we'll probably lead into playing for Mansfield in a bit, but I think the Highland League was a very, I mean, I went from 16-year-old playing under 16 to one game in kind of senior football, what you call the junior kind of leagues. Yeah. Um, And then I signed for Inverness Cali um, after one game. And I only played 13 games for Inverness Cali and scored 13 goals. I think I scored four goals in my last game. And um, I had a, one of the, the players that played with him, who was a well-known player played for Rangers, Andy Penman, who was kind of like 36, 37 at the time, said, you see all the, the scouts in the stand. So it was nice meeting you. You won't be here next season. And I kind of laughed and walked off the pitch, but he was absolutely
0: right. <laughs> was, there, was there interest from a few different clubs then? Yeah, I'd
1: read I'd Chelsea, Reading, Leicester, um, Mansfield all showed an interest. Mansfield jumped on kind of it more quickly than everybody else. I was offered trials at other ones. but Basically Mansfield they invited me down uh, which was quite entertaining because it was the day I travelled down the day of the Scotland-England match. Well, I travelled down the Friday on the train down to um, what was Chesterfield I went down to obviously because and it was absolutely mobbed the Scottish fans drinking. I just I stunk of alcohol by the time I got to the but I was picked up in Jerry Clark and met Jock Basford and then Billy Bingham. Um, and they, they gave it, they, they give it, and they were they kind were of, I think, third division at the time. And I got a good feeling about them. I went back home, came back down, and, my, and I actually played a trial match. And you never believe, I mean, it's like you couldn't write the, for physicality purposes, I played against Norman Hunter Barnsley. <laughs> Hunter was a manager and Mick McCarthy was at the centre half. Okay. <laughs> so, I wasn't, the physicality didn't bother me because it was very physical and, the, and I was just very fast. I mean, my early days, my, my, my game changed as I got older. Mm. Um, when I was at Mansfield, I was running 100 metres in 11 seconds. I was still, I was still running 100 metres in 11 seconds with Chesterfield because um, John Tiffy, um was a kind of coach did the pre-season training and he says you're faster than some commonwealth guys and I did actually go down one Sunday and train with them so that was my biggest asset was very fast So they couldn't catch me
0: to kick me so it was great in the younger days it was quite a hefty fee wasn't it to Mansfield was it was like 25,000 or something
1: yeah well I mean in those days it was actually a very I mean Ian Wilson and Kevin McDonald. because I played with Kevin McDonald, that went to Liverpool. Hmm. So Kevin was in the same team at Inverness. So the year later, Kevin went to Liverpool. and I'm not sure what he went for, but Ian Wilson went to Leicester, 25 grand as well, from um, Elgin, I think it was. And um, somebody said it was equivalent to 300,000 now uh, in today's kind of money. So if you look at that, I was 17-year-old, just turning 18. So yeah. it was a lot of money. To be fair, I was worth it at the time. <laughs> Is um, when looking, I mean, I had a lot of potential. I was very, very fast. I mean, and and I think that's what excited a lot of the fans. Fans love pace. They see you getting the ball and just running past players. Um, that was the kind of probably underachieved um, over my career. Would probably say,
0: looking back. So. So how, how quickly did you kind of hit the ground running and find your feet at Mansfield? Did it take a while or was it just pretty instant?
1: No, I think, I think within...
0: I, think I, I, I actually had my debut... Well,
1: I had my one as a sub against Reading. Um, and then the season later... That was the end of the season, whichever it was. That was about 88, I think it was. In like 89, I made my debut. Um, and then I was a regular from, from being really 18. 18, just mid-18s to 19s. I was, I was actually, it was interesting because I was actually playing in front of players that cost a lot of money. 100,000, Terry Austin, um, Steve Taylor, players like that. I was playing on them. But I was I was also scoring a lot of goals, which helps. So I
0: think yeah. if you score goals, nobody's going to drop you. Absolutely, yeah. So, so I'm guessing you'll have had to have moved down and... And and moved to moved to Mansfield. Then were you in Diggs or were you? Yeah, first of all in Diggs and then a flat with a couple of other Scottish
1: guys, guys Les Les McJanet and Ian Ian Jimison. Um, but it it was um it was interesting because Kevin Bird so um, Kevin kind of uh, took me under his wing. So my first training session um, for the club was on a Monday, and Kevin says, "Right, we're going for lunch." We went to the Portland Arms for lunch. And I didn't know that was kind what we did every day, apart from a Thursday and a Friday. So we we never went out on a Thursday and a Friday for purposes. some players, obviously. did, But to be fair, over my career, very rarely, and it was down to more mistakes where I was probably injured. Um, I'll tell you a good story later on about that at Chesterfield. But um, no, I, and it was a regular thing in the eighties. Just it was the basically to do with the team spirit, which was vodka. <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> and um we all went to the pub. Um so I was an
0: alcoholic by nineteen no, I wasn't that statute. <laughs> I suppose I suppose when you're still quite young, I mean it's, it's I mean it's a it's kind of a dream life, isn't it? When you're when you're young you get to move somewhere, be a footballer kind of house with a few mates and Yeah. Stuff, and
1: it's
0: great. Look it? look looking
1: back, I mean I still get asked to be and I mean, and I help a lot of I've kind of been in and out of football for the last time. I'm actually on the board of the Clyde FC Foundation now, hmm. um, which is just recent. But I've been in and out of football um, over all, all the years, and I've also helped a lot of kids into games and trials and things like that, giving them advice. And, lo- and looking back, I wasn't prepared for football. And I was actually, I mean, people that probably all watch this will find this amazing, but I was actually quite shy when I was 17 um, it was actually football that gave me my confidence. And mm. um, so when I came down from Aberdeen, I wasn't really—I wasn't that kind of probably Jack the Ladder ended up. <laughs> I mean, so um, I was—I was quite shy, but, but I just realised what football could give. Because I was also on quite a lot of money. I mean, I know I got, I got signed, but I, I was getting five hundred pounds a month when I was seventeen in mm. 87, 88 which was a lot of money I mean, and some, some months the next season I got a wage increase we're obviously getting appearance money and win bonuses by that point so I, I was close to getting £800 a month away back then which however that is now it's still a quite a lot of money
0: so yeah and, and I suppose it's funny you talk about like being being shy in confidence and, and stuff like that was it always the case that when you cross the white line onto a football pitch you kind of Clicked into, you know, clicked into kind of being confident and especially with being a goal scorer as well.
1: Yeah, de- definitely a different. I mean, it's interesting, a lot of people ask me that question on crossing that white line. I was definitely a different person crossing that white line. Um, and latterly as well, i become, I mean, even in my early days, I was very hot headed and aggressive on the pitch, but not typically off the pitch. Hmm. I mean, so off the pitch I, I wouldn't be fighting in nightclubs or fighting in the streets or anything like that but on the pitch I was just fiercely competitive I hate I hated getting beat and I, and I basically took it as a personal challenge so I seen it as a gladiator thing when we played against centre-halves I went on that pitch and basically the muscles were sticking even though I wasn't that big in mm-hmm. early day. do you know what I mean? I went on that pitch and it was basically I'm, I'm going to win uh, all costs and sometimes i cross that line,
0: obviously, and a lot of occasions where the physicality got me into trouble. It's interesting to say actually, because I read, I was reading an article about your, uh, I think your years at Mansfield, and it was saying that one game, I think you got sent off after 14 minutes against Reading, and then the, the, did the manager put you on the transfer list after that game? But then you scored four goals in the next match or something.
1: Yeah, four goals,
0: and I think I scored three the match afterwards. <laughs> I don't think he was very happy. So, so you were. I mean, you played a lot of games for Mansfield, didn't you? And you were there. Um, you were there for, for quite a while. Played a lot of games. Scored a lot of goals. Six, six. Year, I think I'm still the
1: ninth because I get reminded by. So I'm I'm actually doing. I've got to do something for the program, and, and they've invited me down on the fourth for the Harrogate game, and I haven't been. I haven't been at Mansfield. I've been back at Chesterfield more than I have at Mansfield. I'm um, not, not actually sure why. I played longer at Mansfield. Probably achieved more. Um, so I think I'm the ninth top goal scorer in history still. Um, I think I'm I'm the fastest goal scorer in history for Mansfield. So I think I scored 11 seconds. Nice. So there's a lot of things that I've, even to this day, which are many years ago, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I did very well at Mansfield. It all went down. I didn't go pear shaped after leaving Mansfield. It was Probably moving to Chesterfield, which we'll take about, and in was obviously a it was a, a the right move at the right time. But I think the period in between where I went to Carlisle on loan and Swindon, I probably missed an opportunity there to play at a really high level because mm. I went I went to Carlisle with Bob Stokoe when it was um, they were second division, and I was I was basically with Ian Bishop and people like that that obviously ended up playing for England and West Ham and Man City so I had a Malcolm Poskett, Alan Shoulder so I had a really good opportunity there to probably make it and probably my lifestyle was the thing I killed me.
0: Is that something you, you look back on now and kind of kick it off about
1: sometimes? Yeah, I do and I don't like I get asked that a lot as well I do and I don't to be fair, the, eight, the 80s man, I played 70s, 80s and 90s well obviously late 70s through the 80s and, and about ninety four. So I've seen all the, those generations and all that, and I played a long time. But the 80s was an unbelievable thing to play football. There was no Facebook. There was no I mean, there was no mobile phones. Yeah. Um, the lifestyle was was like a rock star. I mean, you were going out, you didn't have to queue for nightclubs. You, do you know what I mean? <laughs> and it was very enjoyable. Football now, I, w- I would say they make a lot of money. Are they having a great time? It's a real dedicated lifestyle now.
2: Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, to do with diet and things like that. The the life that we had was totally different. And it was more enjoyable from that aspect of being a kind of football player, do you know what I mean? So yeah. I don't re- I don't regret I regret not playing at a higher level, but in terms of, I had a I had a good fantastic life for many years, do you know what I
2: mean?
1: Mm, yeah, absolutely. It was John Duncan that signed you, wasn't it? Dunks, um, yeah. Loved them. Dunks the only only manager ever met. Like that used to say, like so if we get in front, obviously we just sit and defend. So we would score after five minutes, and then we'd be wasting time for the for the next eighty five minutes. Do you know what I mean? Wasn't as bad as that. <laughs> Bob, Bob Newton tells that joke as well, but because Kevin Randall was there as well, and um, sadly passed away as well. But Dunks was. Dunks was funny because it was me and Fergie Brian Ferguson. We lived in kind of a flat together, and with Brian manager, and we were in because he had the Black Swan. I think it was a Black Swan um, pub, and we used to be me and Fergie end up being disc jockeys in there <laughs> because the lifestyle was quite 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 mad at times. you know what I mean? Never out the Aquarius. Um you know what I mean? The Dunks used to, with a tongue in cheek, used to always say, like, where are you guys? I mean, we used to come in with hangovers all the time. Terrible, I mean. Any kids watch this, they'd never do what we did in the 80s. (laughs) A whole different game. Dunks was really funny. I mean, some of the story. Actually, there was a Wolves game. A couple of people speak about the Wolves game for Roger. I think Roger Eli, the guy's name was. And um, Dunks at halftime, so what was happening, the ball was getting pinged through and I was actually going 100 miles an hour through the goalkeeper. He was picking it out, throwing it out to the fullback. And he was taking off. And Dunks is shouting, chase him, chase him. And he was causing all sorts of problems. And Dunks says at halftime, look, take care of him. If you don't See if you don't take care of him, you're coming off. So the next high ball in the air, I've just thrown an elbow at him. <laughs> and spark out. didn't realise, I mean, spark out off to hospital, do you know what I mean? And, um, and after the game, the police interviewed me and said, um, somebody complained about it. To be fair, I mean, it wasn't a, it was a, I did catch him. It wasn't even premeditated. it was just, I mean, it was just, and Dunk said after the game, he said, look, I says take care of him. I meant it was during the game, not for good. I said, I think you've killed him. Do you know what I mean? (laughs) So Dunk's sense of humour was really, really funny. Like, um, um, no,
0: I, I really enjoyed my time there. Great, great time at Chesterfield. It's, it's funny as well, I was talking to, I can't remember which player I was talking to about it, but they were talking about how Kevin Davis, when he was at Chesterfield and they were kind of practising corners, it would be Kevin Davis's job from a, an attacking corner to run back to the halfway line as soon as the ball came into the box. <laughs> Is there anything like that for you as well? Uh, Dunks you just, I used to
1: bite me mad because of the obviously I was a striker. You know what I mean? and all I could hear is golders, golders. that's all I would hear from the sideline screaming and all that but um, no, I, do you know it's, it's quite funny actually because I've been a manager myself um, not at that level obviously but I, I got him just before I, I ended up going to work for a living um, I was a manager up at the Highland League um, manager at Lottemouth and we actually played six at the back predominantly because we had too many defenders and we were losing a lot of goals, even with those. But I played a system that we played in Belgium, and I was in Belgium, and um, we used to do the same. So we used to score and just sit in and defend. And I used to, I used to always think, "I can't believe I'm like dumb now." What a nightmare
0: <laughs> <laughs> turned into him. And um, and yeah, that first season. How quickly did you kind of find your feet at Chesterfield? I was just looking at your your stats. Yeah. The first season.
1: No. I, Straight in the team and and I uh, mostly played every game apart from being injured. I mean, there was some there was some games that were. I mean, I had it was interesting. Jessfield, just more life the lifestyle. It was we um, <clears throat> we were out enjoying ourselves all the time. I mean, it was there was no doubt about it. Um, and we used to go to the Bradbury Hall um, for the snooker down there and play snooker in the afternoon, have a couple of beers, and then go out at night and more beers, um, but we'd always get to training. There was never a case that we would that bad, we wouldn't get to training. But um, there was one occasion, you I'll tell you a story about we played Middlesbrough. Hmm. It was quite an interesting story. So I was, I got injured Thursday, a training session, and I kind of like, just a, a half strain. So come Friday, I was in getting treatment. Didn't think it was going to be any good. Is still gonna stiff? So the physio, I can't even remember who the physio, I think it was Dave, was it Dave Rushbury? Was that the first time or the second time? Because twice there, obviously trying to think of the physio was. No, it was sat it was the physio. Anyway, physio said, Come in and we'll see how you are, etc. And then come in Saturday morning before the game, because there's a game on a Tuesday. So I'd gone out on a Friday night till about four in the morning. Came in straight to 10 o'clock in the morning for physio straight for the nightclubs more or less hadn't been home same gear on (laughs) etc gone in getting a bit of treatment got some kit on started walking around the pitch and the physio was going like how do you feel and I said if if it feels right." I said I must have drank it off I said but if I find out I'll get killed do you know what I mean so he he said go and see what it's like so I ran about a little bit more kicked the ball about. It was kind of fine. So he says, look, go home, have a shower, have a kick, and come back at two o'clock. In the meantime, he'd always say to Dunks, he um, look, <laughs> I, think, I think Golders is fit. <laughs> and he's like, what do you mean fit? Well, so he was in this morning, and he seems fine. So the next minute I'm dragged into the office. Are you fit? And I was like, ah, it seems to be all right, Gaffer. And he was like, you yeah, last night? And I was like, well, I didn't think I was playing, Gaffer. That's two weeks wages, you get getting fine, two weeks wages. And he said, if you'd and he said, if you and he said if you don't, if you don't play well today, I'm gonna to play you. And if you don't, you two weeks' wages, et cetera. And he was all, he was actually hacked off from it but playing me. Middlesbrough, Gally Pallister and Tony Mowbray. And I scored two goals in about 20 minutes. They're both actually cracking goals. <laughs> and um I was like that, I ran past the dugout and I was like that, Unks. It's just like you've either got it or you haven't and he was raging with me for about two weeks he never never fined me except we won the game and it was a great result so um, that was that was one of the funny stories at Chesterfield
2: which Azar Harper will take Harper with the kit cleared there by uh, Phil Brown and Dave Caldwell breaking well for Chester Phil Caldwell going all the way oh and a very good effort there by Dave Caldwell Bringing a good save out of Mike Salmon, but uh, question marks around the Bolton defence a little bit there. But nevertheless, good enterprising play from Chesterfield, number nine, Caldwell. And we have Chesterfield on the surge forward again, and Dave Caldwell intercepted nicely by Julian Derby to Lee Coombs. Lee Coombs floating one in for Dave Caldwell. Dave Caldwell. good goal, very good goal. Yes.
0: Colwell, always been a thorn in Bolton's side tonight. And uh, very good goal. Very good goal. It's, it's funny as well, because he signed some great strikers, didn't he, in his final first field, don't he? could play. Dunks,
1: Dunks used to challenge us. He used to get corners from either side, ten corners from either side, two touch, the goalkeeper in. So, with Chris Marples and goals. and basically you only had two touches, and yet the to touch and went to stay outside the so it was um, outside the box or just in the box You couldn't come into the box and dunks just first touch goal first touch goal first touch goal absolutely I mean he played for Spurs in Scotland I mean he had well, Dundee you know, he, was a, he was a good player so mm-hmm. he always had an eye for a striker that, that would be the thing he would see probably Why he would see in a striker mm-hmm. I mean so no he did
0: sign he did sign some good strikers yeah and you played with some good strikers as well, didn't you? You kind of mentioned you mentioned Ernie Moss, but what's what was it like? Uh what's it like? Ernie, was, um, Ernie used to pick me up on the way home. <laughs>
1: Ernie used to actually drive past me sometimes when I was coming home <laughs> the night before and all that and pick me up and date me and Ernie was very obviously straight laced, like very professional. Basically, I used to say I used to say, Ernie, I'm just gonna wander around you, you just go win the ball and I'll find it. Do you know what I mean? And that that's basically how... So a lot of the game was into Ernie, not back into the hole, and I would go, or basically I would be watching Ernie, not the ball. So the ball would be played forward and I would just be looking for Ernie, touching it off, and then I'd be looking for the ball. So no, I played with Ernie. Ernie was was... Um, I mean, he, he played for a long time. Very well-respected, guy. Right? Um... And he was I mean and it was like if we were out his testimonial, he used to have his um it was quite interesting, he used to have his um, nights at the testimonial darts and dominoes and everything like that. Mm-hmm. And um <laughs> he'd just he just look at us and laugh. I mean we would just be would be wild, you know. What I mean we'd be in like playing darts and dominoes drinking and away to the nightclub. We used to say another another like testimonial night in the pub, the guys were like, yes, Annie, come on, let's go. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, he was a good guy, Annie. Sadly missed. Yeah. Um, what What was it like? I was I was going to mention kind of what was it like moving from a rival. Um... It, it It should have gone horribly wrong, but it didn't.
1: Um, and I actually, still lived in Mansfield when I moved to Chesterfield, and actually went out in Mansfield quite a lot. Hmm. Um, I never got. It, it was quite interesting because there was a lot of rivalry, and I, and I thought I would get some stick. It was more banter, but I never got any stick whatsoever from the Mansfield fans. Um, I actually get more stick now on Twitter because I'm I'm on Twitter and I kind of have little bursts on Twitter. And um, obviously I play for a lot of people, so I'm very neutral on a side of the fence yeah. when it comes to games. Um, but I did have one Mansfield, oh, was it? I think it was one Mansfield or Chesterfield fan said, you obviously like them better than you like us. Because I'd, I'd said something, do you know what I mean? It was like, well,
0: not really, just different teams experiences. Um, do you know what I mean? So So second season at Chessfield was the season where you scored a lot of goals, really, wasn't it? It was like 14 goals that season, I think. It's like 86, 87 season.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I got um I'm not sure. I mean, I think I think obviously it's just to transition. It's like it's like anything, you've got a bed in and there's certain players. And I played with Dave Waller as well for a, for a bit obviously mm. and um, I always scored goals I mean I think I scored one it was one in three I think I was about one in three my whole career Um, I had a lot of problems with injuries my hamstrings because I was so fast my hamstrings were the problem mm. so I, I did have a lot of injuries which probably stopped me probably playing his, mm. I think on hindsight knowing the kind of physiology aspects of, kind of now and how to look after yourself and how to stretch just wasn't around then do you know what I mean so I mean and, and that was probably a, a disappointment because I could have looked after myself better in terms of in yoga the things that made me so susceptible to hamstring tears but no I scored I scored a lot of goals at, at Chesterfield in that year as well I
0: don't know I think that was one I think it was like a, probably one and three again I don't even know what I played yeah well, it was um, one thing that I've, I've seen mentioned a lot as well was the two solo goals, the Boxing Day win against Doncaster, which I which I've not seen. So you'll have to em- embellish them.
1: <laughs> I can't remember. And to be fair, the reason why it was so quick on Boxing Day was probably try to get to the pub. They're probably just in a hurry to get rid of Doncaster. <laughs> um, I think the one of one of them was a through. I mean, I know that. I mean, I'm, this is a problem. Is I see seeming people ask you because and it's very interesting because I do I do a lot of work with football players, so I do I still do, and I always say that game management and try to manage the game yourself think think the game, don't play it. Because what you find when adrenaline starts kicking in and you actually play ninety minutes, you remember very little about a game. Do you know what I mean? You you remember kind of well, the things you did bad, you might remember a goal, but think of that when you play for eighteen years and you score goals all the time, they actually drift into the patch you know and I mean it's, it's the, the ones I remember um, do you know what I mean but a lot of them fans actually tell me I mean I met I met Chesterfield fans with um, the second time around with Tony Bryan um, we were in Magaluf walking along the road and there was East Chesterfield fans. It was like a whole family with the strips on <laughs> and it, it wasn't it wasn't actually we walked past them and um, they must have recognised Recognized it, And then when we looked around, I said, that was just a few fans. And we looked around and the next minute they're walking behind us. So we were going to this bar and we sat down in this bar. But it transpires they actually did kind of half-recognise us. They walked past us. They looked around, turned around, came back. And then they told me all about my goals. And I was like, how do you remember? And fans remember everything about games. Player, players... To be fair, I I, I know people that tell me about games and what happened 30 years ago, 25
0: years ago, 20 years ago. Mm. I honestly can't remember, so apologies. Did you have any kind of standout standout games for Chesterfield? Because, I mean, I suppose when you came to us, it was, you you came to us because you wanted to kind of be in a bit more successful team, but it didn't really kind of work out, did it? So I think we came
1: 17.
0: It didn't, it actually didn't. Probably the, the Middlesbrough game was probably one.
1: Obviously, playing against Palestine, will be Middlesbrough at that time were. Uh, um, but again, again, the most mostly, the, the interesting thing about football, you know, is it, it actually becomes a job. And I had this conversation with somebody the other the other week because I actually work with a guy that played for Scarborough, a guy Jamie Mitchell. So Jamie actually, he's with Scarborough. He played for Norwich and then he back up to Scotland. And w- somebody was asking us that question, and I and I said, you know, it does become a job. Mm. Do you know what I mean? So if if you ask somebody that does a job for eighteen years, plumbing or doing something, and you say to him, "Remember when you went to each out and you did our sink?" Mm. Very unlikely they're going to remember it. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> or remember? But and, and that's the beauty with football as well, with the fans. The fans remember absolutely, like like stato. Do you know what I mean? They, they remember every single games you played some fans are unbelievably knowledgeable I mean so um, so so but I mean and I and I, I remember certain games and other games but most of them were just game so I, do, I don't yeah predominantly I, I didn't play badly so it was very few games where I played some were maybe mediocre some were a lot better
0: but I would tend to probably remember the games that I played badly and the ones that I played probably played well yeah, what what was it like when you when you go to come in, kind of out of football in retirement again, and then you start watching football? Do, do you actually get the? Do you actually ever get an enjoyment of football? Like, oh uh, well, do you think? Or is it muddled a bit just because of you having had a career in it?
1: No, you 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 actually need to. A lot of players. I was very lucky. Um, I would say compared to some players. Because they can go to dark places. One of the, one of the problems that you have if you, if you, if you bear in mind, you 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 play with a chemical balance of being very fit. Um, a lot of euphoria, endorphins, adrenaline. Do you know what I mean? Over, and then all of a sudden that stops. So you're not training every day. So that chemical, there's an imbalance a little bit because you're not getting that hit. I mean, so it's like an addiction. Yeah. Um, the football, because you would, so your run up would be to the Saturday, the Saturday would be the, I mean, the nerves, everything like that. Then afterwards, you would go a few beers and kind of calm down, and you would start again on the Monday. So when you do that for so long, and then it stops, and you're maybe playing, you're training twice a week, you really miss it. And you also miss the probably adulation, because the, the, the thing is that like, you don't have to queue in nightclubs, you don't have to do a lot of things you very well recognised, and all of a sudden you're not. Hmm. So, and bear in mind, a lot of players drank heavily over their football career. So when they finished, they would, they would carry on, etc. I was very lucky that though I had a kind of period where I drank probably too much, and still Jack the lad, um, trying to live the dream. Obviously, been 30 35 I was very lucky that um, I bumped into somebody, and they got me a. a Um, and ended up working for Xerox and Mueller Packard I was just very lucky that and that that was the thing with me I was earning a significant amount of money at that time comparable to football money yeah so I didn't really have that I need football Mm. I need to have a living in football I've still got the bug Um, that did come later on Um, I mean I actually was I think it was I was offered twice my wage um, by a company to move to Edinburgh when I was manager of Lossiemouth and basically I had to pack football and it was an offer and yeah. I packed football in and moved down to Edinburgh and then started a career in kind of print management mm-hmm. so, yeah. so difficult times for some but my transition was kind of really good and I took the probably, passion, hunger and aggressiveness in business Mm, yeah absolutely yeah
2: Lee Sharp Goldwall it's there! take the lead Dave Colwell the score at. super corner from Lee Sharp and that's the goal that Torquay wanted it. minutes gone it's Torquay 1 skunk off nil
0: and and another another club you had a, that you kind of well loved from is Torquay isn't it so that was when you left Chesterfield you went to Torquay but you didn't really play that many games for Torquay but you
1: really no, was a was a cult hero <laughs> I, think, I think if you go you can still find it on YouTube I think if you actually see what I did at Torquay in a short period of time and no disrespect to anybody that played else that played there but Torquay also never a team that was at the top of the league if you probably look at it like that so Mostly when I played for Mansfield Chesterfield, we played Torquay. Torquay were fighting relegation every year. So you used to go down there and it was a good night out, you know what I mean? But it was never a, a team that you could go to, you know what I mean? And I, and I think what happened was my sending offs, obviously, my, my physicality got the better of I me, mean, I think, at Chesterfield and John Duncan. I think the chairman at the time was complaining about me. Um, there's many reasons for that, some I can't tell. <laughs> <laughs> so the um, and so Dunk says look um, Cyril Nose is coming for you I, I remember last last time I, he sadly deceased as well um, last time I remember Cyril Knowles, he was at Darlington and I was like I'll go to Darlington no way I'm going to Darlington he says no he's at Torquay and um, some of the fans will remember um, I had a yellow Jag I had a I had a, a, a yellow convertible XJS uh, when I was laterally in Chesterfield. And I drove down the M5 to Torquay and parked in the car park and um, went up the stairs and basically negotiated a, a transfer fee. Um, and happy for me to go. And it was just for me to agree terms. So they offered they offered me more money. He took me down and, and showed me the palm trees. Um, the story was quite funny because he says to me, are you single? Look at that car. Have you been in Torquay? I mean, Torquay is like, I mean, it's like the nightclubs. It's... Holiday resort, he said, Single lad, you know, you're, you're going to love it down here and everything like that. And um, and they were they were top of the league at the time, and that's what I'm saying. He he amassed a team there that was they were an interesting team because they weren't full of superstars, but they were very fit. And this is what I'm alluding to. They were very very fit, very physical, and knew how to uh, organized. So when I signed the contract, he said. Um, That's great because I don't think you're fit. I think you've underachieved your whole career. And training starts tomorrow. And basically, they gave me to a guy, the physio guy, Norman Meadows. They absolutely had me running upstairs, hills with weight jackets on. And they actually battered me for two weeks. So he, he sold me a great story and then just pulled the rug from underneath me. But I scored an overhead kick in my debut. I scored the winner diving header which to this day they still go on about, at Bristol City, which put us through the fifth round of the FA Cup. And I got man of the match at Coventry, um, who were the holders of the FA Cup at the time. Um, I had an overhead kick at Coventry, and it's still on YouTube. Um, I had a chip to Gridovich. I did a couple of things. I mean, how I didn't score that game, I got man of the match, et cetera. And I think that period I was there, Probably did quite a lot in a short period of time. Hmm. I used to have the long blonde hair and the, the mullet and still um, man Jack, Jack the Lad, and man about town, etc. So I think that was the kind of. And I was, I think I was voted cult hero in that BBC series or something. <laughs> Dorky. I'd only played, I'd only played there about six months.
0: <laughs> I was going to ask you actually where your where your nickname Shaggy came from. Was that the hair or was it? Thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I think we'll pass on that. That's <laughs> another one of when I asked Lee Rogers why he was called Nobby. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> was just because uh, he but... was a no. I'll we'll just of we'll that one. I miss. <laughs> and um, it was interesting when I was looking. You also spent some time in both Belgium and South Africa, didn't you?
1: Yeah, I went to. Uh, so again, the sending offs So I got an eight-match ban um, because of the sending offs. I had five cent. I mean, at one time I was the. I think I was the most. I think I am still. Somebody still thinks I was the most sent off player in Bridgeton in one season. So I got sent off five times in one season. Somebody's equaled it.
2: But what somebody said was, I was sent off five times before Christmas. Yesterday's ban for eight matches on striker Dave Caldwell was a shattering blow. It's sad, really. It's sad how it's all happened and that. I mean. I think he's done marvellous, really, the kid, for Torquay, since he's come. Um, and... I'm sitting down this afternoon with my chairman and we're going to go through it and just see what we can come up with, David, as well. It is a pretty uh, incredible record, five yeah. sentings it off. Is. And yet, if you take, for instance, the Wolves game, he takes a fair amount of provocation, the lad. He does. You know, I feel... the one he got sent off for us down at shot, his last one, um, I think possibly the managers are winding some of the defenders up. And I know David nearly got took off by the ips after two minutes down at shot, And uh, he got booked for an handball and a skirmish with a centre-half ten minutes later and was sent off. He's got to be a bit shattered. He was even talking uh, about giving the game up, wasn't he? Well, that's right. I mean, what will happen in the future? I mean, if he gets booked, do I pull him off straight away? If I leave him on and he gets another booking and gets sent off, what could it be the sentence? I mean, he's had eight games now, it could be 12, 15 games. You know, I mean, uh, it's worrying.
1: So, and, and to be fair, I played a long time for Torquay without really getting sent off, or, or I got sent off a couple of times, but we played through the playoffs and everything against Um So we played up in the playoffs and then played Swansea who got promoted and then Swansea went through all the leagues after that so there were some quite brutal games but Cyril said to me at the end of the season look you're going to have an eight match ban I mean actually I think it was myself Vinnie Jones and a couple other people up at the Lancaster Gate up in um, London and I think he got quite a and I got one um, and then there was another players and I got offered to go to Belgium and take the money. Bad decision. Um, took the money. Very good pay. Um, but the league was terrible. The league was terrible. And then I had a chance to go and play at a higher league there because it was foreign player role. And what they tried to do at the time was actually right with another team but put me into another team later on. And then I broke my ankle um, coming back for a corner. I always hated going back for corners and never never really did it. And this time I went back and I broke my ankle. And I was left I was left at the end of the season in Belgium in the Bosman ruling where they stopped paying me. They withheld my registration. They were looking for 83,000 for me. we were looking for all the money back from the club that was going to sign me. So the only options that was given by the PFA was go to South Africa. I think it was China or somewhere else as well. I could have gone to... Um, and I got a phone call for the guy in South Africa, and he basically said, look, lifestyle's great. He says, we're just coming out of apartheid, so it was June apartheid at the time, um, but you will be playing in, obviously, kind of the league, et cetera. And, um, and I says, all right with that? I said, absolutely. Um, I, signed, I signed a two-year agreement there and went there. And um it was absolutely 70,000 crowds, 30,000 at the worst games, and then no crowds. And then you just didn't know what you were getting. Games abandoned, games off. I mean, um, all sorts, <laughs> which I won't even tell you. Um, but it was some lifestyle. I mean, it was luxury lifestyle lifestyle. Um, you look back at country and then obviously apartheid ended and then Mandela got out of prison and we were still playing football. Um, It was crazy. But um, I I met some wonderful... I managed to meet Pelle through being in South Africa because I met Joe Mosono, who played with Pelle at New York Cosmos. Jonah Jonah was an absolutely fantastic player. Met him and I actually in his house was an actual news that said that Pelle said he was one of the best players he played with. And at the Football Players Awards, I bumped into pelly and I said, you know, you know Joe Moson And he goes, yeah, yeah, I know, I know Joe you know. How do you know him? And I said, I, I played, I played well, I, I trained with him in South Africa. I never actually played with him. I went to his team at one point um, and he said, um, he said, oh, he's a great player. I spoke to him about 10 minutes. I was always going to do after dinner speaking because I've got some great stories. <laughs> done it a couple of times for charity um, and he, uh, and, he, he, and then I went, and went back up and I actually was with uh, Ian Bishop and a couple of the West Ham guys and he said, you speak to Pelly about us? I've known him for years. Do you know what I mean? And then <laughs> on the way out he actually says, David, nice to meet you. Uh, and um, I the thing I was always going to do after I dinner speaking was like, Pelly I'm with the boys I'll catch up. I'll talk you later. But um, to meet Pelly, I think, my career was... Well, that was lucky.
0: African adventure allowed me to have a, a commonality with belly you know what I mean yeah so how did you end up finding your way back to back to the UK then well I got um simply the situation in South Africa was getting hairy
1: (laughs) I mean some of the games there was riots at some of the games and some of the things happening because obviously there was a lot of guns we had guns at the time ourselves um not everybody but I, I I got one simply being in the wrong place at the wrong time in South Africa was always going to be dangerous. I think it still is. Um, it's a beautiful country, lovely country. So I decided to come back simply because of that. Um, and then Torquay said, Do you want to go back and loan? Do you want to come back and loan? I went back and loan there. Dave Smith was a manager. Second time round never always the same. Do you know what I mean? I was getting slightly older as well and, and I wasn't fit because I spent kind of like a year and a bit there, kind of like, um, like just enjoyed myself more or less. When I came when I came back, um, they negotiated still on that, where well, the bossman ruling finished, yesterday negotiated a, a fee with the Belgian club, because they still on my registration. So Paul Hart signed me. Paul Hart signed me because Nigel, his brother said, he was one of the best players he ever played against, which was a, a great compliment from Nigel. Um, and then also broke his nose one game.
2: Hereford second was even better Chesterfield only half cleared and Paul Tester launched a rocket of a shot worth watching again and it still looks fast in slow motion sadly that was Hereford's high all downhill from there Chesterfield equalized a minute later through Lee Turnbull and got the winner three minutes after that the Hereford defense was all over the place and gave Dave
1: Caldwell the softest of winning goals
0: yeah, so obviously you came back so I think it was about 14,000 something like that it's like 1990 aren't we now? So it's yeah. like the hart McMenemy. I was of. consistent in my transfer fees and I never, I never ever went up <laughs> <laughs> yeah, But they, they didn't go down too much so. <laughs> um, Yeah, so was the club a lot different when you came back or was it all pretty much? No, it was different and it was, it was
1: different I mean Ar- Artie, a big club all lately because like, there's a there was Chris McMenemy, obviously as well, it was the was the, the the manager. But Archie liked the night out. So we used to have the and we used to have days off and used to tell us when I mean, they, they told us stories about Cluffy. Stories about Cluffy and Forest and some of the things that we used to do at Forest was just unbelievable. Do you know what I mean? Um just just mad and what he did. But um and they had that element of so we used to go and have a night out and we had we had the end of season trip, So I'm still actually bound by, by the code of silence with this, but we had the, we had the, the end of season Magaluf, which was arranged um, by the club, but me and Tony Bryan stayed for another nine weeks. So after that, um, and I arranged it through a friend of mine, it actually was a full-back from Mansfield at one time, being a holiday wreck. We arranged the bus to Manchester Airport when we landed, he arranged the hotel, well the the you know the, the apartments. He arranged everything. Um, and we lost we lost Bring gun and Paul McGugan for about two days. So we arrived at four o'clock in the morning, they went straight into a public came out two days later. Um, it was a mad week. Um, so I mean, but I was just absolutely mental, but um, loved it. <laughs> Still miss it.
0: Yeah. And and was it nice? Was it nice coming back to Chesterfield? Come, coming back to something a bit more
1: familiar? Yeah, it, it wasn't. It wasn't because, you know, at that point, I was getting my my fitness had gone. Um, and I was carrying more weight. So my pace had gone. So I, I ended up being more of a target player. I um, could still score goals, but I mean, probably let myself down. And I, and I think going to Belgium, the The Belgium and the the South African adventure, um, we look at it, really diminished my fitness. It wasn't that full-time kind of focus like it it is in the UK, Mm. in in the top leagues. So, although we trained full-time in South Africa, um, we didn't train full-time in Belgium. So, it was um, was three nights a week. So... um, my fitness had gone, and I, and I kind of got a lot of level of frustration. Um, it was probably my fitness, that my fitness as a my career. I played a did a reserve match at Sheffield United and did my cartilage, and that was basically. And it was the, it was actually the yeah, it was the Queen's Medical Centre in Nottingham. It was a bucket handle tear, and the consultant who operated on it did Prince Charles's elbow from the, the polo pony fall the day before. But he was obviously better at the elbows than he was at knees. <laughs> <laughs> he was absolutely, he was right. So he said, your knee will be perfect. It just don't tell, tell me how long. So it, it was a year, really, till it was okay. Mm. And I had to retire during that time and then go play part-time back at, it was Embrace Cali and then Cali Thistle when they were emergent. So, um, and it was, it was probably a level of
0: fitness that, that contributed to my, cartilage there, because I just wasn't fit. Did that? Is that, Is that cartilage injury something that still sticks around with you a bit, or is it... Uh... I I played, no, that cartilage has been absolutely
1: brilliant, apart from a couple of instances over the years, but I played, I mean, I'm sure my age now, I'm 60, 61 now, I played five aside two weeks ago, for the first time, I actually had a, a lot of people won't know this as well, but two years ago I had a heart attack chopping um, trees down and got two stenting. So although I was very fit, unfortunately, hereditary side of my father. My father had a bypass. My grandfather had a heart attack, died of a heart attack. So I inherited, and unfortunately, those doji arteries. Um, I drove myself to A&E and bizarrely enough, I had no chest pains, walked in the car, just didn't feel well. Mm. drove to A&E and they thought, you look fit, you're fine, everything's great. And then it was a blood results. Got a couple of stents in two years ago um so kind of over the years and and obviously the knee but I've, that was the first time for two years i played five asides The knee was slightly sore but seems to be getting better again now so mm. touch wood when i look when i look back over my my career i mean, i've i've been lucky enough to have two two careers so one in business um you know become a business manager um, so it's quite interesting that the that the Clyde Nation now. I mean, I know technology inside out. So it's, so, and I also know football inside out mostly because yeah. what I did do when I went back into football for a while, I had a three-year research study at Stirling University on player development, and we researched psychology, physiology, and basically the components of ability. So. And I've also worked for clubs over the years in analytics, opposition analytics. So I've got a, a very good, broad knowledge of football, how it works, etc. And so I've really got no regrets. Looking looking back, um, got a lovely family. Do you know what I mean? So I, I just think um, I should be grateful for I've still got my health. I know I had a wee scare, but um, I should have realised, you know, at that time that I was. I couldn't, I, mean, I couldn't wash the car. I couldn't actually, I thought I was getting old, just getting unfit, but I couldn't actually wash the car without being out of breath. couldn't, without being out of breath. And now after getting couple of stents in, walking five miles, ten miles, playing five-a-side,
0: and back working and campaign. Right? Yeah, so, amazing, yeah. And, yeah. and are there any, uh, do you think there's any specific skills that you've learnt as a footballer that have been quite transferable into business? Yeah. And it's interesting because
1: one of the things we've been involved in, so we've we've taken on, so I'm working in how do you get from football to finance? So um, the guy that, one of the guys, well, he used to work for me years ago, started his own finance company and he had his own health issues with a brain tumour. And he asked me to come into the business and help him. Hmm. It was probably just the right time because of, of mine, but I wasn't working. So I agreed to come in, but I um, So processes, so one of the things I used to do was go into some of the the larger organisations and look at processes to make them more efficient. So if you look at football, so one of the things I think you could do with um, young adults that are maybe struggling to get jobs or don't appreciate business or business life, like sport, like football, is it's very similar. So you still have, it's preparation, it's organisation, I mean, it's um it's basically those components of in business and in football. So one of the courses I was wanting to run at the foundation was to take kids in and show them how to organise a back four, what a partner play looks like, why teams play systems, etc. And same in business, why you need good foundations in business like CRMs, um, SharePoint, do you know what I mean? communication systems, marketing and things like that. It's all the components that, that makes you successful. It's the same in football. It's the same for a player individually, also units and collectively as a team. So, I mean, it's it's those components that compensate for your weaknesses, that
0: allow you to achieve what you want. You don't inherit talent from anywhere. It's basically hard work. Yeah, and I, and I suppose any successful team is like any successful business, isn't it? In that it has those different components and different people have different strengths and, you know, but collectively. Absolutely. No, and absolutely. And it's, and it's getting into jail and going the same direction.
1: And, it, and one of the things that probably helped me is my man management because I've, I've, I've been, and I, probably one of, my, one of the regrets, if you're asking about regrets, one of my regrets is not been into football management, but I went into business management. and um, and, I, and I've mentored a couple of managers over the years. Um, a couple of years ago at Clyde um, Football Club again, mentored a young, young kind of manager. And he was just fascinated. He was a sponge. You know what I mean, just? And he said he learned more from having conversations with me than he'd learned from, I mean, going on courses. You know I mean, but um, no, I, I honestly think that you, you can learn life skills from football. And also the things that didn't go well in football and the reasons they don't go well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You need to be resilient as a football player. So one of the things, and I look back and um, fix myself now, where I couldn't fix myself then. I didn't have enough knowledge or support then. But if I could turn the clock back to being 22, I could fix myself now with my mindset um, and my focus um, and being resilient, et cetera. So um I didn't it was fight or flee. So at that time a lot of times I would flee to the pub or flee because things weren't working out or where now I realize that you need to dig in. You know what I mean definitely the competitiveness has always been in my in, in my genes. I've got a daughter as well, um Marcia, um it's that's with my wife Susan here and um she's she's competitive, she's a street dancer. Um but I can see that um, she's done very well at school recently, got all A's, etc. I can see that competitive edge in her when I, when I look at her, and I think like I don't know, if, she doesn't go over, she doesn't go over and start hitting people through at school,
0: which is good, <laughs> unlike me. I was going to uh, say, if if we do get you in a in a charity match uh, again at any point, it'd be very fitting if you could like score four goals and then get sent off or something. <laughs> <laughs> I think though, it was. <laughs> I look, I look back at some of the tempo, off
1: after. I think it was 14 minutes for persistent bowling. I mean, how many times do you get the ball in those 14 minutes? <laughs> what, what happened as well, it did snowball. You've got, you've got, and it doesn't happen now in the game because it's, it's, it's more of a, there's more of respect in the game now where there was a, a lesser respect in those days. It was more of a, you get wound up. I mean, things would happen off the ball and then referees be looking for you. Mm. I mean, so you would react to something and get sent off. And some of my sending-offs were ridiculous. Um, my dad came to watch me when I retired. I actually sent off one game after about a minute. Believe it or not, following back the goalkeeper, he kicked it. I jumped with a guy. He went down holding his face. To this day, never hit him, never touched him. And I got sent off because of my reputation my dad was five minutes late for the game. My dad went in and sat down and said, Is he not playing? And the guy says, No, he's been on. He's <laughs> my dad looked at his watch and went,
0: You're joking. He said to get injured. He went, Oh no, he never got sent off, did he? <laughs> so um It's interesting though, because players do get the cards marked, don't they? Either as being divers or as being, you know, aggressive or you know, yeah. they do, don't they? Yeah, you you do, and and I think it's
1: it's a and it's a fine line that, and and I used to run a fine line, um, so I was at my best when I was on that pacey aggressive streak. Do you know what I mean? So I, I was very aggressive in my runs and my, my tackling and everything like that, and I was at my best at that point. And that was a problem. I would flip over the line. Do you know what I mean? So it was a a very fine line to tread. Um, but that's that's one of the things where I said to you, I was the competitiveness I, I used to get myself into a competitive mindset to be the best
0: I could be. Well well, and you've obviously like you said, there may be things that you did in your career where you think, oh, I could have done that a bit differently, or something like that. But you look at your career on, on paper and you think, wow, it looks it looks pretty enjoyable. You, you obviously you obviously had a lot of fun during your career. Yeah,
1: it was it was very enjoyable, and that's what a lot of people say. I mean, you played, I played eighteen years,
0: as a professional football player,
1: um, I never reached the heights I probably should have. Um, but that in itself, zero point two percent, make it something like that. So, so, and I think a lot a lot of the guys on the the WhatsApp group, obviously, still kind of remind us. I mean, Kevin Hitchcock at the moment um he's across at Boston Revolution, goalkeeping coach. And um, Kevin and me were great mates at Mansfield. We spent a lot of time abroad as well in Ibiza over the years. um, We still say, I mean, he he said one of the things in the chat. He said, listen, we've all done done massively to actually play football. Do you know what I mean? And I don't think at the time a lot of us actually appreciated it as much because there's a job we Kind of just leave that to the way it was, and probably a lot of us were ar- arrogant as well. And um, it which comes with territory, a lot of times when you've got to go on a fix, you know. What I mean, you need a level of arrogance, yeah, but that could spill over in your personal life and you become a bit of a pain in the bum, do you know. what I mean, but um, just like you get that in general, in people anyway, so yeah, but um, no, look back in that. Um, if I could turn the listen, we all say the same thing, if we could turn the clock back, if we could. If we could go and have another charity match, all get back together. Um, Phil Walker was organising and things like that. It would be great. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Get on that pitch again. Pull the boots on. Get in the dressing room, and the, the memories come flooding back. <laughs>